in a way for now, I'm thinking in a way for the past. So where we used to be and where we used to minister, we lived in a very poor area. And when it came to financial thinking, it was all about making money stretch. We once got through the generosity of God to the point where we had six people on our staff team. I was the only one that was full-time, but we had six people on a staff team with an income of £30,000. Now that's God being pretty creative with the books. And all that we were about was like, how could we do the most we could possibly do for God with the small amount that we had? And that was my mindset, my thinking, and it was right for that season. And I've felt in the last year that God's challenged me and said that that kind of frugal mentality of trying to eke the most out of what you have isn't for today and isn't for where I am now. And so God kind of made it clear to me that um, this whole thing of repenting and believing, I needed to repent and say, yes, that was right for then, but it's not right for now. Repent and believe the good news of generosity and living in a different state. I just want to, I haven't warned them about this, but uh, if the staff team would just stand for a moment... Uh, and Kat, who's out of the room. So these wonderful people work incredibly hard to make a lot happen. You can sit down now. just wanted you to see them. And we, as a church, pay for not all of them. So Jen is covered entirely by the diocese, and we put a small amount towards that. Ruach is an intern and works for absolutely nothing. Well, our love and support and care and input and all that, but financially. And what we've been trying to do is that in a church where there have been diminishing financial amounts, we've been trying to do the same amount with less money. And I've been trying to be frugal. And God challenged me and said, I'm generous. Why can't we be generous? And I realized I haven't actually done you the honor of asking you for more for a really long time and there used to be a whole system of every year there would be an ask for just at least an uplift by way of inflation from the congregation we haven't done that for five years didn't happen the year before I arrived and it hasn't for the last four so the giving hasn't gone up by inflation which means that at the start of this year as a church we were looking at an 18,000 pound deficit on the year Now, we had reserves that meant that that was okay. But during the year, so I thought I was going to have to be standing up with you going, please, will you help with the deficit? But because God is good, and because people like parking their cars in our car park, and because some of you have already sorted out your giving, right now our deficit for the year is £3,000. So God has done a great work in the, that's till the end of October, so that's the first 10 months of the year somewhere around there and we hope that by the end of the year actually we might be somewhere near breaking even but that's my hope the treasurer is making faces at me (laughs) but I wanted to talk to you today I've had that mindset change and actually not wanting to ask you all for money is actually letting you down is what I feel God is saying to me so 
What I want to talk to you about today is just taking some words of Jesus really, really seriously. I wanted to think about what it means to have rewards in heaven. I don't know about you, but I do most of the things I do for a reward. I would love to say, everyone kind of says, oh, yeah, no, I, I do it because it's just out of the goodness of my heart. 99% of the time, nonsense. Most of us do things because they have good outcomes. Even just giving stuff away and serving people and giving money, it makes you feel good. Chris Evans, that well-known Christian, um, not, uh, on, on Virgin Radio the other week, was talking about the fact that he was just saying, I'm selfish. I organize all these huge charitable things. I make sure that millions of pounds are given away. And he says, I'm totally selfish. I do it because it makes me mentally healthier and a lot happier. And I thought, good on you for being honest. (laughs) Most of what we do, we do for a joy set before us, for uh, a reward. That's the way humans are made. And actually, the Bible says it about Jesus. We said it in that bit of Hebrews that we read at the start of the service. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Because he wanted relationship with you, the reward for Jesus was heaven populated with all of us. Relationship between us and the Father, relationship in the Godhead. His desire, his reason for doing it was for a reward. It's okay. I mean, I know all of you students, you know, you're just studying to improve your minds. It doesn't matter whether you get a degree or a master's or whatever at the end, does it? Of course it does, because that's how you get a job. Or whatever you want to do, or carry on in study. I'm bringing up my kids, they look after me in my old age. (laughs) There's a whole, everything we do has an outcome. It's turning around. I know the day will come when I look after my parents. And they looked after me so well. Some of you are in the midst of that. But... Things come around. We do things for what's going to come back to us. And that is okay. Jesus in Matthew 6 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Who remembers when we had the journey from round pounds to, I mean, they're not quite round now, are they? Um, They're not exactly edged either. But do you know what I mean? We had that transition of the old pound to the new pound. Do you remember? And there was a transition period. So your your old pound was worth a pound. And then there was a period where you could give it back. Was there a crossover period when both were allowed? I can't remember. I think there was. So there's that crossover period where both are allowed. And then there was a cut-off, another cut-off day by which if you hadn't put your old pounds back in, they were worthless. I mean, you might have a collection of fancy ones. So a hundred of them, you know, you could eBay for a tenner. But do you know what I mean? They were no longer worth anything other than maybe to use on your shopping trolley. 
So there was a whole transition of our money. And if you didn't get on board with getting your pounds changed, you were going to end up in a bit of a loss. This is what Jesus is saying. You've got this stuff whilst you're on earth. Transfer it into heaven where it will last forever. And you have this period on earth where you can build up treasures in heaven. Whatever we give from what we have whilst we're on earth, we are storing up for ourselves treasure in heaven. It's the best investment you can ever make. Now, rust and moth consuming probably isn't an issue now in our society where everything is like on paper uh, and in some kind of... Well, it's not even on paper anymore, is it? It's on a hard drive somewhere, how much you have. The physical money, who knows where that is? It's at the bank, but I, having been a, a banker's son, I know the physical money isn't always there to the same amount that it is on paper. But even so, we worry and we stress about will our money survive? Will it last? Will this investment work or will I lose my money? I have invested in peer-to-peer lending online and my mum and her generation of my family think it's terribly scary and I'm going to lose all my money. I'm quite confident. Um, But we have these things over different investments. You know, is this going to survive? What's going to happen to my money? In this society, they literally, their wealth was often in their food. It was in the grain that they'd stored up. It was in the physical things that they had around them. So the idea of a moth and rust and and things going, that, that was a real issue. Thieves breaking in and physically taking what they had. There wasn't an insurance company. But we have that same fear, don't we, that what we have here on earth, it can be frittered away and it can be lost. But what we store up in heaven cannot, cannot be stolen or taken from us. And then I want to just look very quickly at that last line. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Why do you give to the things that you give to? I guess if I, you know, got some answers, you'd say, well, because I have a passion for this thing, or I believe in this thing. I've noticed that having a... um, A sponsored child in a particular country makes a person passionate about that country. If you sponsor a missionary in a specific place, you learn more about that place. If you support a homeless charity, you probably know more about homelessness than you do about joblessness or foodlessness. Because where we give, our heart follows And normally we do it the other way around, don't we? We think, well, where's my heart? I'll give there. But actually, if you want to care about something, and if you want to learn or prioritize something, give some money and you'll start caring. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. I don't look, as a vicar, at the lists of who gives what within the church. I think it might mess with my head and my relationships. So I don't do that. But I'm aware within a church that the people who are most committed to a church are often the most generous givers because their heart is invested. 
because they have given their treasure. And giving, I love that this is treasure because you may be sat here this morning thinking, I don't have a lot of finance. But there are all kinds of gifts and treasure that's been given this morning. If we look at these amazing poppies and flowers we've had today, that's the overflow of generous hearts, of people who have just given that, given of their skill. We've got people doing the worship, we've got people at the back, we've got people doing the welcome, we've got people doing the hospitality, we've got people looking after children. There's all kinds of ways that people give. You can give massive generosity in huge amounts of money. Or you can use the house you have to be generous and invite people in. And God is good to us when we're generous. This uh, last week, I felt God giving me a nudge that we should support some um, people we know in their mission work. And uh, contacted them. And it happened to be the guy's 40th birthday when I, I didn't, God had set that up, I didn't know. And I said, we want to support you. Uh, and he said, he said, oh, brilliant. And then I noticed and said, happy birthday. Um, but, you know, we, um, all we've signed up for is to give them a lump sum and then to give £10 a month. And then the same, like the next day, I checked my personal emails and saw that, our, that Bulb, who supply our energy, was saying to us, um, you're paying too much for your energy at the moment. We'd like you to lower it because it's building up too much. So I just knocked a tenner out of that and I've broken even. <laughs> But God is really, really good. We were sharing as a staff team about how God helps in our timing and looks after us. And there were loads of stories about how, as we give, God provides. And when it comes to what we have, we give from what we have and what we have available to us. Can we open our home? Can we support? Can we offer our gifts and skills? But yes, we can also give our money. And to quote somebody who used to be on staff team, all of what we do with our money is a choice. In a church like this, there are very, very few of us who have to make choices about, you know, how are we going to survive? Is it heat or is it food? I don't look around and see many of us who are making those kind of choices. Most of us are making the choice, do I have this nice thing or this nice thing? And so we, what we have is about what we choose. And what we give is about what we choose. And we may want to choose to store up more treasure in heaven for ourselves through our giving. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I'm going to give you some opportunity for some reward in heaven. Um, What I wanted to do was just to give you some ideas of things that we would love to do as a church at St. John's if we had more money to invest. So this is an opportunity for you to get rewards and um, five areas of growth through giving. A good friend of mine has this uh, phrase, money is a muscle of mission. It's not the muscle of mission, it's a muscle of mission. Without it, we struggle. So I'm going to try and zip through five areas that we would love to grow in. So the first thing is families and young people. So 
we'd love to do more outreach. We'd love to have a toddler group again. We'd love to invest in that. Back when we did a lot of these things, we had way more people on staff. And that's why we were able to do them. So I'd love to be able to, to add more money to, it, to add to our team and think, how could we do toddlers in a missional way again? How could we build on... Somebody was just telling me the other week that Jelly Tots was not just a good toddler group, it was the best one in the city. That was a mum who has no connection to church. She said, oh, where is that thing? It was the best in the city. Well, we've had some ideas about maybe how we could do it again and add an even stronger missional focus to it. We'd love to do more youth outreach. We'd love to be in the schools. We'd love to help those of you who are parents to do discipleship through your parenting and talk about how we do that together. We'd love to have more midweek groups. We've started Thrive. Uh, Ruach and, and Fran have started Thrive on a Tuesday night for the kind of tween ages. Uh, we'd love to build on that and do more of that. We'd love to add loads more strength in that area. We'd love to do more outreach events. There's been a bit of a significant shift for the team to go, we don't really like doing events because we want to get all of you reaching people yourselves but actually we worried that maybe we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, and we need events and we need all of us sharing our faith but having more publicity and a couple of people have said to me and Caroline how great it would be to have a better sign out on the road that points in both directions that people can see so when they're stuck in a queue they can go oh there's church and maybe just maybe in this world and situation where celebrities are going back to church There are those who are thinking, well, where do I go back to church? So signage at the front, we want to run more alphas or stories of God of Seven Signs, but help missional communities run events where people can come to faith, have more adverts online, have more video promotion. I would love to just have somebody for a couple of days a week who could just do all the communication. It's like Stevie's spare time job when she's not running everything else. The third thing is that this has always been a church of pioneering. This has been a church of planting and pioneering and new things. It's only a couple of years since we sent 30 people up the hill to St. Stephen's, and it's a real joy. And I thank God for this church every time I'm in that church seeing the great things that are going on, because I'm going, that was a gift, financial, of people and of everything. But at the moment, there is pioneering happening on Jardine Crescent. There's six, eight people thinking, what would it look like to plant uh, a missional community on that street? Maybe have a shop front to reach people. We want to be a church that reaches out to the least, the last, and the lost. We'd like to have enough money to keep planting and keep going to the difficult, darkest areas around us and going, how do we make a difference? This is an area where there is crime, there is gangs, and there are issues. And if you know, you can join the team and go there, or you can give money towards it, or you can do both. And f- this is fourth of five, and it's the boring, unsexy one, I'm afraid. But this building, um, some of you who've been here a while will remember um, Caroline and my predecessors, Peter and Anne. Uh, Peter said to me after I'd been here a year and I bumped into him, he said, um, I said, God, there's loads of building work to do around the place, isn't there? And he said, yeah, um, I didn't know I was going to leave. And when God called us to move on, we were just about to move into a whole time of investing in the building. And we'd invested in staff for a really long time. And we needed to start investing in the building. I was like, oh, thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> but it's been, 
something that it's time to invest in this space. And you guys have been massively generous in giving to that amazing uh, space out the back, and it makes a huge difference. And we're looking forward to, in a fortnight's time, there will be the welcome bar. Um, Pete and Jenny. Anyway, um, and, and we will be kind of getting towards finishing. But the rooms around, we need new carpets, we need to finish off bits of painting. We need, Caroline would dearly love there to be sofas out there so that people could sit on them when they come through the week. And so some of you could enjoy a sofa when you arrive on Sunday. But there's all kind of little things. And it is our shop window. All of this stuff says to people, this church is alive. And some of you I know go, I don't care about the building. I couldn't give a stuff. I, I get that some people are just all about mission and not about the building. But the building is part of our mission. It's our legacy. And like I said in the last thing, there are all these famous people who are returning to faith and asking questions about faith. You may not know much about Justin Bieber or Kanye West or Chance the Rapper, but these guys are those who are asking these questions and coming back. And if they are, there will be young people and people who know them asking the question and going, if they're going to church, where do I go to church? This is our, and for them, this is the shop window. They don't know it's not about the building. We do, but this is where they might come. Also, within this, we need to keep building our worship and our prayer. We used to have Mike Knight, who was just all about worship and uh, alongside a couple of other things, but that was kind of his paid thing to do. Again, it's Caroline's spare time thing to do. Um, and with her studying and, and actually only working the two days that we pay her for and not a full week, um, that becomes more difficult. But we need to invest in worship and prayer as a church. And that's another way of just investing in who we are and doing what we're doing. The reason I put a 5% uplift on that is that just we haven't, I haven't been asking you to give an up giving by um, inflation. So that's what I'm hinting at. And the last thing is a little bit different. This is about growth. So... Warwick Korean Church, who meet in the afternoons here, want to join us. And they've kind of said to us, we had this conversation, they want to do this thing, we said, well, we'll, we'll give our giving to you as a church and we'll join you. There's a whole load of issues around that at the moment, legalities with the Church of England, but we'll get there. Um, and their model was kind of, well, if our first so much money goes to you, after that, could that money be put towards the idea of a, a, a worker just for Warwick Korean Church? who also might be an international student worker on campus, because their heart is to reach East Asian people on campus, not just their own nation. And that made me think, well, what about Burton Green? We kind of have a church in Burton Green, and we have a team doing great things in Burton Green, but we don't quite invest there. We, we give a lot there, but a lot of you worship in Burton Green. And I thought, could we set something up? And I haven't quite got the financial thing around this yet, but the, the same thing, if you designated yourself as a Burton Green giver, could we have money that was kind of above and beyond a certain amount going towards the mission in Burton Green? I found out recently that for £8,000 a year, we could have a, a priest, a vicar, who was Sundays and two days. And in return for their time, those, they would get a house to live in. And we'd only have to pay the diocese £8,000 a year to get that. I think that's a pretty good deal. It may or may not be what God's asking us to do, but I think we need to invest in the church and the planting in Burton Green. And we have these kind of two embryonic bases in Warwick Korean Church and Burton Green. They're both small, but they both have huge potential. 
What would it look like for us to have enough finance to bless and grow these things? So those are the five things. I'm going to skip back through them again. Families and young people and community want to invest there. Outreach events and publicity. Pioneering to keep stepping out. Generous building and grounds. Generous in worship and prayer. Maintaining what we have. And then thinking about areas of growth in Burton Green and Warwick Korean Church. Do you like that picture? I feel like we're just starting to to get going and grow again as a church. After planting out, it's hard. Um, But we need to go again. So all of the things I've added up, if we were to do all of them, it's a lot of money. And it's 50 givers upping their giving by £40 a month because I'm looking for like £24,000, £25,000. But, you know, you can do all the maths. I mean, loads of you have degrees in in maths and this stuff. So I thought I'm not going to do loads of like little bits of arithmetic because you'll all be ahead of me. But... Even if we just, if you look back and said, well, I haven't upped my giving for five years, so I'll up it by inflation over the last five years, that would cover, I think, everything that we've, I'm, I'm talking about and more. And then there's the whole thing about, you know, 50 givers giving £40 a month covers it extra. If you're not giving starting, that makes a huge, huge difference. For some of us, you know, we are more well off and we can up our giving by a huge amount. And that means that fewer people have to give. You know how this all works. But generous living is what we're looking at. And mission giving. Whatever you give now, as a church, we're going to focus reaching out. That's the point. That's where we're going. I think God wants to do a huge amount for us and through us as a church. But at the moment, one of the things holding us back is a lack of finance. So as a response today... Uh, to finish with, it was suggested to me that this thing hasn't got a huge amount of use. Has everyone seen this yet? So we're going to pass this down every row. And my challenge to you today is for you to use this. What I'd like is for everyone to use this today. So you can set the thing and you can give as much or as little as you want. And then it's contactless and you just wave your card at it. You hold your card over the top and it, you pay. It's just contactless. We've all used contactless, yep? So my challenge today is that everybody, even if you give one pound, my challenge is that all of us just do some giving or between you and your um, family. And we'll pass it all the way around. It'll take ages. But we're going to do it. Because what I want this to be is a first step. I talked to you about my friend who I wanted to support with £10 a month. The truth is, I haven't actually done it yet. Because when I tried to do it on Friday, my stewardship account went, oh, you haven't used this account for a bit of a while, so uh, you need to do this new thing with your password, and you need to do the other, and you need to do whatever else. And I know there's a big drop-off between wanting to give, saying you're going to give, and actually seeing it through. Most people in church leave a thing and go, yeah, I'll do that. And then six months later go, oh, I haven't actually set up the standing order. That's, that's what happens. People in charity say it happens all the time. So by giving a pound today, what you're committing to is thinking about your giving. Rethinking how much you're giving and asking God how generous you get to be. Can everyone do that? 
So we're going to pass it down. We're going to say our declaration, even if it takes us until halfway through communion. Um, this is going to be passed all the way about, up and down, all the way around. And I don't care if you just give a pound. And if you're a student, or if you at the moment aren't working, and you're saying to me, well, I don't have any money to give right now, David, um, you can just giving a small amount just to say to God, I can. Jen told us a great story about God challenging her. Just one sec. Um, if you haven't got a card with you, well, pass it on. Or you can put cash in. There's still space for cash. It, yes, if it's given through this, it can be gift-aided. There's a limit of £30. Yeah. But you can do it three times in a row if you want, John. (laughs) But no more than three times in a row. It won't let you. (laughs) But Jen was telling us a story about how, as a student, God... My case to tell this story. Sorry, I forgot to ask you. Um, God challenged her to give quite a significant amount of money for a student. And she just felt she had to and gave it, even though she thought, can I afford this? And then found out, how long did she have to wait? About an hour, found out that her granddad had given her twice that amount, just as a gift that he felt to give her. So don't be crazy, but also be aware that if God's asking you to give generously, then he's got you covered.